Carrie Rawson is serial killer Dennis Rader, a.k.a. BTK's daughter. BTK stands for Bind, Torture, Kill, and Rader is responsible for killing 10 people. Do you think he may have had any sort of communication with your father? Um, Koberger could definitely have had communication with my father. Well, obviously, we know he studied my father um, in criminology classes. He probably studied him heavier since he, he had Ramslin as a professor. Um, but we need, we need to find out if there's a deeper connection. It, it concerns me. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Sick and Wrong. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, G. Simon. What is it? Good morning, good afternoon, or good night. It's me, Kate Rambeau. It's cracking there, Kate Rambo. Well, it's not just the evening, is it? If you're listening in Australia, it could be the daytime. I don't care about time zones. It's my birthday. That's the only. It thing is your I care birthday. About. Happy birthday, <laughs> D. Simon. Yeah, it's my birthday weekend, and uh, I get to spend it doing my favorite hobby with my favorite person. Podcrafting. <laughs> yeah, seriously, like. <laughs> Who needs to get drunk at Jumbos and look at strippers on your birthday when you can be home on a Saturday night recording a podcast? Podcrafting! That's a real birthday. You know? Oh man, I miss Jumbos. Can we go to Jumbos the next time I come over? I miss it. For sure. Unless we're busy podcrafting. It, it, Jumbos is my favorite place on earth. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so for the first night of uh, my birthday weekend, last night, I spent the majority of it researching... Brian Koberger, the Idaho murder suspect. But then the research took an unpredicted, introspective turn. Introspective? Why? Did it start making you think about your own life? It did. So really? recently, there's been a lot of stories from Koberger's high school friends and college roommates that have been coming out in the media, which happens. You know, obviously, the guy of went course. to high school and knew a lot of people and now everybody's like phoning into the media to being like oh I knew the guy he was a weirdo he is a recluse you know um but it prompted me to reminisce about my own past and what my high school classmates would say if I ended up murdering four college students like I was no just trying to think surprised. of like what would people say well obviously there's the podcast but I think in terms of high school I think one of the stories that, that immediately came to mind, and I think you get introspective on your birthday too. You know, you start thinking about your past. You know, I'm about to be 48 years old, lived a long time. Um, and I, I was just thinking about it. I was just like, so in these 48 years, back when I was in high school, which is like 30 years ago, you know, I wonder what my friends would have said about me. And I think one of the stories that came to mind mm-hmm. that a lot of people knew and I don't know about now, but uh, was when I streaked the red lion. <laughs> What's we were the talking red about lion? this the other day. Um, have you ever streaked before? No, I'm quite Victorian in that, like I I wear like full clothes outside. You know, I'll happily pose in like underwear on Instagram. That's no bother to me, and I'll wear a bikini on the beach. But 
I'm pretty modest. I'm like a modest person. I'm a, a spoilt Victorian child at heart. Well, I mean, I would never do it now. But you wouldn't have done it when you were in high school? Definitely not. No. Like, did you have, like, were you, like, uh, ashamed of your body or very self-conscious? No, it's just, I'm just a modest. I just never would. I'm not the type of person who, you know, goes to a concert and flashes their tits. I've never been that type of person. Other people are that person. I'll flash my underwear. I'll flash my panties. But that's as far as I'll go. Well, I mean, I don't think I'm a streaker by my nature. But I no, think... not from a naked household. Well, and also I don't think I'm like, I'm going to go to a football game or a baseball game and run across the field naked for attention. I don't think it's that. I think there are a couple things that, that, uh, that played a part in my decision to run naked through the Red Lion restaurant. One, I think I wanted to be cool because we're hanging out with cooler, older kids. Steel. I think, two, uh, there's money involved. It was a bet. Oh, so, right. Okay, well, that's a bit different, isn't it? This would have been, God, I would have say ni- 1992. I probably was right before my senior year of high school. This is when you were totally yoked out as well. Yeah, I was, I was a pretty big dude. I was definitely yeah. like very muscular. I mean, I lifted weights. I was athletic. But this was around the time when I started smoking weed pretty heavily and growing Obviously. my hair out. So I think I was like losing interest. And uh, athletics at this point. Set, set the scene, though. What type of restaurant is this? What type of food do they serve? What the, What's the clientele of this restaurant? Well, know, like, Red look- Lion sounds fancy to me. I looked it up, and the Red Lion is now closed, unfortunately. I think it was a COVID casualty. Or maybe Bastards. it closed before that. I don't know. I haven't been to Bay State, Michigan in decades. Left but, steel. Yeah, it was a Yeah, uh, it was downtown in the old historic area of Bay City, and it was a diner back then, like a shitty, greasy U.S. American oh, diner. You'd have loved American it. It, was, food. it yeah. was cool. It was very vintage. Like I had all like I mean it'd been there since like the forties, thirties or forties. Oh. And it had like the same furniture, like red leather seats or vinyl leather or vinyl seats. But yeah, and you can go in there, get a malted or a milkshake. It was a very classic USA diner. It's all I want. Yeah. Yeah, like pancakes, you know, bacon, eggs, that kind of thing. But what was interesting about it is it had two entrances. So for a streaker to streak the Red Lion, you just pretty much go in one entrance and then exit out the other. I mean, it was like literally Simple. three seconds. It's not like I ran around the restaurant and then had to run out the, you know, the same door I, I uh, came into. So we're driving around. I was probably pretty drunk, probably a little high. And I can't quite remember who was all there. I know Kessler was there. I believe Steele was there. And there are a couple other. It might have been, might have been Williamson might have been involved. Anyway, we're with like some cool older kids. We're driving around. Trying, I think we we're like coming back from a party or figuring out what, you know, what we're going to do next. And then I think it was Steele who was like, I dare you to run naked through the Red Lion. And uh, I was just like, thinking about it because it would have been funny but then i was like well how much and so everyone started coughing up money and i think it was around 120 dollars and i was like a lot of money especially back then yeah just to run naked through through a restaurant i was like fuck it so i stripped down to my skivvies and i remember like it was the summer too like we pulled up to the restaurant and that place i think was either 24 hours or definitely open to like 4 a.m and there were probably Maybe four or five diners in there. A couple old dudes, you know, eating apple pie. 
oh, at the counter them. and maybe a family. <laughs> they're they're about to eat some sausage. Yeah, probably. So anyway, I uh, I strip down to my skivvies. I get out of the car and I uh, slip the skivvies off. Your mantis. Yeah, my mantis. And like chuck them back into the car. And I'm like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. I probably shouldn't have. I would have <laughs> kept them. And then I just kind of walked through the door, opened the door, and just bolted right through. I was probably in there maybe three seconds. But one thing I do recall is there's an old man that was like eating a hot dog or like a chili <laughs> dog. And he just was like, what the? And it just shot out of his mouth, almost <laughs> hit the tip of my cock as I was running through. I had to like kind of <laughs> do it like a, you know, a little uh, dodge. And then I just ran out the side door. And so I started running over the car. And guess who takes off? Of course they're going to do it. That's why you should never have given them your clothes. I would have hung on to like my t-shirt and my mantis. I trusted my friends foolishly. Why did you trust them? I don't why? know. I didn't think they would do that. Yeah, and they fucking took off. Of course and they did. So then I remember like I, I, I kind of was running after them and I was like, fuck. And then I grabbed some like newspaper and held it over, over my dick and just kind of was like running around, you know, like I kind of went and hid like around the corner because I didn't want people in the restaurant to come grab me or something or call the cops. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was so pissed. And then uh, eventually they came back and picked me up. But then they never gave me one. I think one person paid. So I only got like 20 bucks for it. I think you need, uh, Steele needs to settle his debts. You know, I think Steele might have been the only one that paid. Well, Kessel wasn't going to pay you, was he? Fucking dick. So yeah, anyway, I remember... So it was literally, I was in there two seconds, ran out, boom. And uh, that was about it. But what was funny about it is how it became this, like the story kind of like achieved this mythological status. Mm -hmm. Because maybe it was a year or two later, me, Kessler, and Steele were in the Red Lion getting, I think it was was late. It's definitely after the bars closed and we were getting like some food. And Steele asked the waitress there, she's like, did anyone ever come like in the restaurant, like run through the restaurant late at night naked, like streak this place. And she was like, oh, yeah, I remember that day. She's like, he was look- black. He was a college <laughs> kid. He's like, and he just like walked in here, went to order, you know, a hamburger and some fries, stark naked. And then some other guy was just like, oh, yeah, no, I think he was a college prankster. And so there's just all these stories that evolved over time. Like I, I didn't walk in there. So some guy said I sat down to have a meal, ordered a milkshake naked. It was just like, no, <laughs> I was in there for like two seconds. But Brilliant, though. anyway, I was like thinking about that. Like, I wonder if if if, if someone from my uh, high school would be like, you know, I always thought this guy would be a murderer or maybe uh, some type of pervert because he ran through the red line naked. And thinking about that, he also hosted a podcast for 17 years, primarily about murder and bukkake. Those two things do go hand in hand. I don't think anyone would be surprised. In fact, what would surprise me more is because I barely remember school. Like, and I can't tell you, I can probably name like maybe three people who I was friends with in school. I'd be more surprised and be like, who were they? Who were they? Were they in my year? Did I ever interact with these people? That's what would surprise me all. I've eradicated all my memories of school. College, I can remember fair more. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. To be honest, I'm so old that they probably wouldn't even bother tracking down my high school classmates. 
It'd I mean, be workmates, wouldn't it? Workmates, yeah, probably. Because Koberger's like, I think he's like 29, 28, 29. I would love to see the crew on TV trying to justify what I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some funny shit, though. I don't know if you've been following it very closely, but there's been some funny shit coming out in the media about Brian Koberger. There has been. I've been loosely following it along. Like Defense Diaries is uh, doing a lot about it. So that's my main source of information at the minute. Well, I love how they arrest a man for brutally murdering four people. And the internet, the internet's response is, Brian Koberger is hot AF. He's fucking not. Ew. <laughs> Another Twitter user wrote, anyone else find hashtag Brian Koberger hot? All capitalized. He's not hot. He kind of looks like a 1950s, like, you know, in The Simpsons when they draw, like, army men from the 1950s with the short back and sides and they're just, like, very military looking with, like, a Dorito triangle face. That's exactly what he looks like. Yeah, I think he looks creepy. Those sunken in eyes. Um, He's just not attractive. He's He's no Billy Cook. Come on. Other users pointed out that Koberger's skincare routine and, 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 you know, and he has flawless skin. Um, some guy said, uh, I want to know what kind of magic vegan skincare routine he's using. Probably just being vegan in the land of where you guys fucking, what is the sugar you shove into everything? Corn syrup. Corn syrup, yeah. Probably because he's not been ingesting corn syrup. (laughs) He looks good. Maybe. I mean, maybe you don't know. You don't know his skincare routine. Maybe he uses like, uh, you know, some some good facial soap. and. Well, it's all vegan. I use nothing but vegan stuff on my face, so... Do you think his skin looks that good? I haven't really like judged his skin, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, it's not like they've arrested a spotty teen, is it? (laughs) A couple of his high school classmates were interviewed. Um, Casey Arntz and a young woman named Bray, who has to keep her name private. Uh, They say that Koberger was overweight and was bullied severely in high school until his senior year when he lost about 100 pounds and became a heroin addict. <laughs> By heroin addict, you mean vegan when he decided he would go vegan. Another person pointed out that, uh, that I guess they found a post that he made about 10 or 11 years ago um, on a forum for people who suffer from visual snow syndrome. You ever heard of that? Is that like when you see, you know, when the telly in the olden days used to turn the channels yeah. off and it would be the snow? Exactly. It's a continuous visual disturbance that can entirely obscure vision in uh, extreme circumstances. Uh, people often describe it as having like tiny flickering that re- resembles television static. So it's like a tinnitus, but for your eyes. Yeah, and, you, and it's constantly there. And so Koberger posted on this platform under the username EXARR dot those with visual snow. He said that he'd been experiencing horrible depersonalization for the past two years, depression. Uh, he then called himself an organic sack of meat with no self-worth. And he explained he could not connect with his family as he was stuck in the void of nothing and felt no emotions. Oh, boo-hoo. It's <laughs> all <laughs> that visual snow. Um, my favorite skeleton, though, that's being pulled from Koberger's closet here is his brief hip-hop career. What? I've not heard about this. Oh my God, please tell me there's some evidence of his hip hop. He uploaded an angsty rap song. This is like probably 14 years ago to SoundCloud, where he referred to himself as a devil. He says, 
You are not my equal. You are evil, but I'm devil. Yeah. Um, have, you got, have you got it? Have you got I the song? Do. About to play it. <laughs> yes. He, he uploaded it. this under the username EXARR. So let me open this up real quick. Excellent. Always the same thing that disrupts my life Wonder when I'll change I guess when the time is right Procrastinating my deranged to change Would be a fight So I'm pacifist Like I'm afraid to get a bloody fist Look at this, my mind is pissed And I keep running Why is this? When I hit it, always lose him stunning Always gentle giant No defiance, all building alliance And still think that I am peasant I stuck in the future But I'm never looking at the fucking pr- It's not bad I mean, it's better it's than I could It's actually not bad I couldn't have done this you know, I mean, I'm- God, if I they would be playing, what, Asian Babes and Charles of the Ritz songs for me. Like, she was so evil. She wrote a song about her love for The Wire, season two. And then they'd be playing that on the telly. That'd be amazing. Actually, that's not bad, though. I'd prefer to listen to that than this. Present. Keep it up. Act like you're all that. Here's a cookie, too, and a present. Led from a desert eagle. Deagle's going louder than my motherfucking deagle. And you like, you get no sequel. Leave you love once crying like some seagulls. You- he kind of reminds me, who are those, remember those nerd rappers that were popular a few years what? ago? You don't Harrison, mean any like, one of those guys. Uh, what was that dude's name? Like, MC Router or something? I don't know, but he's nowhere near as good as Jimmy Pop. Who, by the way, I was in a Twitter conversation with this week. Yes, the Jimmy Pop. <laughs> me and Jimmy Pop are besties now. <laughs> he is going to be inviting me around to his house in um, uh, Chesterfield, Westfield, Pennsylvania. He probably would actually. It's like a hot chick messaging him on a, on like a social. I'm I sure do most, think Jimmy Pop might. I'm sure be most gay. old men would be like, "Yeah, come on over." I think he would. He probably like, would. But I like, can I, I look think he'd have archives? ulterior motives, though. I think he's gay, so I think his only ulterior motive might be to like just talk to me and be my friend. D. Is Jimmy Pop gay? I'm pretty sure Jimmy Pop is gay. I never knew that. I'm sorry if I'm outing you on a. Uh, yeah, Jesus. Radio. I don't know. Do the, I like it's all this Howard paw. Stern stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So there you go. He had a uh, a short, short lived uh, hip hop career there. Um, that 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 was about it. That's his only song. It's that's the main Rise crime up, he has committed. Rise up, instrumental hip-hop. test is what that's called. Yes. Anyway, this week's show we plan to chat about Brian Koberger's alleged crimes. He hasn't been charged yet. And the serial killers that the media is drawing comparisons to. There's been many. For the most part, Ted Bundy. But there are several others. Before we get into that, though, let's talk about the sick and wrong Patreon here for a second. Um, A lot of Patreon exclusive content has been coming out these past few few weeks. Especially since we've uh, been back from our, our New Year's holiday. Um, so if you're subs- if you're not subscribing currently, you're definitely suffering from severe FOMO. <laughs> you're missing out. You, you really are. Uh, this week, we chat about uh, my drive up to San Francisco as a harrowing drive, actually, through the rain, uh, to hand over the rabbi's Prius to my sister. Yeah, she, Stephanie's yeah. borrowing it for a while until I get the rabbi's Prius and run it into the ground. Possibly. I mean, you might, uh, you talk a lot of shit about it, so might just stay with her. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> Currently, she is the new owner of the Rabbi's Prius. Also, while I was there, my sister surprised me with a birthday feast 
including one of my favorite desserts that my mother used to make for me. Uh, Spoiler, not as big of a fan of it 35 years later. (laughs) It's actually rather disgusting. (laughs) It's rather disgusting. We talk about that on the the second show. Uh, People, it doesn't cost that much to join up for the Patreon. For only five bucks a month, that's only $5. You can support your favorite podcast in the whole wide world, and you get access to the second show. And you get to give an old Jew a birthday gift. So why not? Sign up today. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Five bucks, you get access to the second show. A lot of other bonus content. A couple dollars more, you get access to the sick and wrong overkill. Uh, this week, Kate Rambo goes into in, an in-depth explanation of chamber pots and booth beds at the uh, Palace of Versailles. And Marie Antoinette. It's mainly about her, but yes, I do digress into... I'm so surprised by how much I knew about chamber pots and the people who control chamber pots. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm picturing Marie Antoinette just like curling one out in a chamber pot. And then, yeah, I mean, that's what they did. They would just be like, excuse me, mate. And they would just do it in the corner of the room while you're there. It was a different hear, time. It was wild back then. You can hear all about that on the overkill. Also, at the same level there, 10 bucks a month, uh, you get access to... The first 10 years of Sick and Wrong uh, on the SoundCloud playlist, also on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. Here's a quick teaser that we're hoping will persuade you to sign up and support the show. And then let's chat about Brian Koberger and Ted Bundy. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. You know, you could just go refill your soda. They don't even serve booze. Well, some of them serve booze if they're topless. But like uh, the ones yeah, that are fully yeah. nude, or they call it juice bars. Like juice bars. A juice yeah. bar. That's what they call it, That's... yeah. Oh, a why. juice bar. Juice bar, not juice bar. I thought bar. you, I thought you like were juice. a juice bar. Like a spa <laughs> way better if it was a juice bar. <laughs> can you imagine like a Jewish a... strip club? God, that would just be the most annoying <laughs> oh, place in the world. Can you imagine the noises from the Jewish club? Just uh, all these old, old men going, oh, Oi. Oi, She wants me to tip her more. <laughs> <laughs> be a lot of haggling over the price uh, there, man. Yeah, yes. it's like, how much do you want for this lap dance? What am I going to get for it? All right? <laughs> for only five dollars a month you can enjoy these special moments a bonus news story extra phone calls and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sick and wrong sign up today support the show and keep it sick and wrong don't you ever so kate rambo it's been over two months since four college students were slain in an off-campus home in moscow idaho but police have finally arrested a suspect, Brian Christopher Koberger, who's been charged with their murders. The 28-year-old was arrested on a fugitive from justice warrant in Pennsylvania on December 30th, and he was extradited to Ohio, Idaho, uh, where he was formally charged uh, just this past week. Uh, he's facing four counts of first-degree murder and a count of felony burglary and is being held without bail. Ethan Chapin... Madison Mogan, Zaina, I want to say Kernoodle, but I think it's Kernoodle, and Kaylee Goncalves were the four students at the University of Idaho who were found dead at a home near the campus in uh, Moscow, Idaho. I fucking feel sorry for all these people to have been murdered by such a fucking asshole. Yeah, I know. Just some uh, narcissistic incel. Yeah. 
And I think part of it was, uh, well, we'll get into it, but I think he definitely had a crush on one of those two girls. The killings occurred on a typical Saturday night after two of the victims had been at a bar together and two others had been at a party. So at least they were, you know, somewhat intoxicated. Probably couldn't feel the stabbings. You know? Oh, we're more hyper aware. Because, you know, sometimes you don't have a good sleep when you're drunk. And you come back and you're like, you're half awake, half asleep. Well, you know what, though? If either of those girls had been slutty, they probably would have hooked up with a dude and spent the night at that guy's house. That's you true. Know, at the frat they're house. They're not sluts, are they? No. But would they... you not have been like, oh, there's a sexy man in my bedroom. Maybe I'll distract him. Put down the knife. I'll show you my tits if, if you put down the knife. I'm just <laughs> yeah, saying. it's never worked for any woman in history. Look how many women Samuel Little killed, and they all showed him their tits. I'm just saying, if those girls were a little sluttier, then they would have ended up at some other guy's house and would have avoided a brutal death. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. <laughs> um, Koberger was extradited to Idaho and appeared in the Idaho court January 12th, and his preliminary hearing set for June 26th. Uh, he waived his right to a speedy preliminary hearing with his defense team asking the court for uh, extra time to prepare. His lawyer, Jason Labar, said he's being very calm, he's very aware, and he understands the proceedings completely. You know, what's funny as well is there's no way that he can claim uh, like that he's mental because they don't have the uh, insanity plea in Idaho. So if he's going to sit there and say, oh, I was, I was mental at the time, Visual it's not going to wash. No, definitely yeah. not. I mean, he's a PhD student at a university. There, there's no way I don't think he can go that route. Uh, but he denies allegations of his involvement in the killings, and he believes that he'll be he'll be exonerated. Oh, what the the fucking ego on this man? He's not even like intelligent enough to be this like fucking egotistical. Let's get into some background here on uh, Koberger. So Brian Christopher Koberger is born in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania, to Michael Koberger and Marianne Koberger, November 21st, 1994. Uh, what star so sign dumb. is that? November 21st. It's not Sagittarius, is it? Is it Capricorn? Up. No, Capricorn's uh, late December, January. Uh, oh, November. I don't know. Uh, his father, Michael, worked as a maintenance worker. And oh, Marianne, he's a Scorpio. It makes sense now. He's a Scorpio. <laughs> okay. Scorpio, yeah. And the mother, Marianne, was a substitute teacher. Uh, they had actually filed for bankruptcy twice, 1995 and 2010. So they're definitely, like, I would say lower middle class, if that. Uh, Brian also has two older sisters, Amanda and Melissa. Amanda's a licensed school counselor, and uh, Melissa's a licensed associate counselor. Uh, quick fun fact here, Amanda... The older sister appeared in a low-budget slasher film called Two Days Back about a group of young college students vicious, viciously murdered by a serial killer. I love it when the killers are inspired by films. I did it because Taxi Driver told me to do it. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe he's a huge fan of his sister's uh, slasher film. Uh, as mentioned before, he was a fat kid that was bullied in uh, high school. But then he lost 100 pounds and became a heroin addict. Um, however, go hand in hand. But he was sober by uh, 2017, shortly after he graduated. Can I just say, though, I do love it when heroin addicts just remain blimps of men. Like, look at um, 
pig from a poison idea. I mean, he was just fucking huge. Pig champion yeah. was just like the world's biggest man, and he was just shooting heroin. I think sometimes their weight fluctuates, but uh, sometimes you know, I mean, you're you're not you obviously don't have a healthy diet when you're injecting, you know, uh, heroin, and then you're just eating fucking hagen does and and eclairs is all you're subsiding on. You just want sweet things. More fat heroin addicts. Koberg is a criminology buff, and he is fascinated with uh, forensic science and serial killers. He's also a registered libertarian voter and a staunch vegan. Sounds a lot like me. (laughs) You're not a staunch vegan, although you are a libertarian. Uh, Yeah, I definitely favor more towards libertarianism than anything else. But uh, yeah, I'm not a staunch vegan. I am a pescatarian. But I use vegan products. I make a point of only buying like vegan products. This guy was a strict vegan. A weird one as well. Yeah, which most are. Uh... (laughs) In 2018, he finished an associate's degree in psychology at Northampton Community College. Then he got a bachelor's degree at DeSalle's University in 2020. He also did further graduate studies there, where he studied under Catherine Ramsland, a celebrated forensic psychologist who wrote a book called The uh, Confession of a Serial Killer, The Untold Story of Dennis Rader, BTK Killer. Um, Yeah, I've got that book. She also wrote a book called The Mind of a Murderer. You know, it's funny. She has refused to comment at all on him. I mean, she probably didn't even know him. but And it's probably bad for her business, too. Like, yeah. Why that, does she uh, want to be associated with him? Unless she's currently it. writing a book, and she's like, I can't speak until my book comes out. My book will tell it all. Uh, I think she's being judicious here by not commenting. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Bulger, a teacher at DeSales who helped uh, Koberger with his master's thesis, um, said that in my 10 years of teaching, I've only recommended two students to the PhD program, and he was one of them. He was one of my best students ever. So, so he's scholarly. He's studious. However, his fellow students have been much less complimentary. <laughs> uh, they said he was very arrogant and an abrasive mm-hmm. personality. He did show an obsessive interest in crime scenes and serial killers, according What's to What's wrong to with that? Don't we? I do. Like, don't we all? Really? Like, doesn't everyone have a true crime library in their house right now, as I'm saying this? I don't think so. I don't think the typical person usually is into that as much as you are. I think so. But the people are fascinated about it. I think I think they like to listen to podcasts with middle-aged women discussing murders. But do they not uh, take it murders? for further and maybe lie on dead people's graves and maybe have serial killer mementos in their house that they look at every day? <laughs> do people I, not have that? I don't think the general person, the general true crime fan, I don't think, takes it that far. Okay, well, Um, it's just me and uh, Brian then. At Washington State University, he'd been studying DNA evidence and forensics only weeks prior to the killings. Uh, There, he was described as a contrarian, frequently getting into arguments with other students, even other doctoral students, particularly women. Mansplainer. Oh, yeah. One classmate recalled an instance in which Koberger was explaining a somewhat elementary uh, criminology concept to a female doctoral student who then accused him of mansplaining. (laughs) I knew it. He has mansplainer written all over his face. (laughs) That means man explaining, Kate Rambo. Oh, does it, Jojo? Is that what it means? (laughs) A heated back and forth argument ensued, and the doctoral student eventually uh, stormed out of the classroom. Cursing at him. 
Um, another classmate here, Benjamin Roberts, uh, who was in four classes with Koberger at Washington State, said that Koberger was highly intelligent. And he said Koberger would often find the most complicated way to explain something. He wanted to make sure that you knew that he knew the answer. Is he on the spectrum by any chance? I'm not just saying that because like this guy just sounds like he could possibly be on the fucking spectrum. He looks like it. I mean, he, he possibly he could does. be. I just think he was a very arrogant know-it-all like incel type. He, yeah, it just sounds like he's never been shagged and never will be shagged with this type of attitude. Mansplainers don't tend to get shagged all that often. They do not, Jojo. Yeah. Take that to heart. At the time of his arrest, uh, Koberger was a PhD criminology student at Washington State University's Pullman campus, which is only about 15, 15 miles or so away from Moscow, Idaho, so just okay. over the border. Uh, he was also a teaching assistant in a criminal law class there during the fall semester. Uh, one of his students, Hayden Stinchfield, said that Koberger often cast his eyes down while addressing the students, giving the impression that he was quite uncomfortable being there. Um, he also Again, said that's that, on a spectrum thing, isn't it? it exactly. I mean, he he yeah. definitely had uh, social awkwardness. Uh, students also said that he had a strong grasp of the subject matter but was a very harsh grader, giving extensive critiques of assignments and then defending the lower marks that he gave students when they complained to the professor. So he was definitely kind of a dick. He's just a great day wanker, isn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, he, he had like, you know, a chip on his shoulder. I think he was just trying to demonstrate that he's more intelligent. Like he's a superior intellectual to all uh -huh. these other people. You can't possibly... You know, understand the complex criminal mind in the way that he does. Okay, Ian um, Brady. What's interesting, though, is later in the fall, roughly around the time of the killings, uh, the student Stinchfield said that Koberger seemed to start giving everybody better grades. And the assignments uh, that once had feedback scrawled across every paragraph were coming back clean. Like, there are no notes, just an A. So he's I don't know what happened there. Now. He's he'd let out some steam. He's had a release, a physical release. Yeah, definitely a bit of a change of heart there. Another graduate student that uh, that was was also in the criminal justice department said that Koberger's arrest was completely out of left field. No one predicted that, and his uh, defense attorney Labar said that uh, his parents were completely shocked. Like his family said that this was completely out of character for their son. That's what they all say, though. Like, my boy couldn't have done it. That's what Louise Bundy said about her son. Till the very end. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that everyone's kind of shocked on, uh, on his side. So let's get down to details about what happened in the early morning hours of November 13th. So the four students, Kaylee, uh, Madison, Zana, and Zana's boyfriend, Ethan, were savagely stabbed to death in their beds around 4 a.m. by a masked man. Uh, one of the survivors, there were two, two uh, roommates that survived, Bethany Funke, she's 21, um, and Dylan Mortensen also survived. Dylan, however, said she saw a figure clad in black wearing a mask that walked towards her after she heard crying noises coming from upstairs. Terrifying. Yeah, she said she stood there frozen in shock, but he just walked right by her. And though he was wearing a mask, she said he, she could tell that he was tall and that he had bushy eyebrows. So it sounds like he wasn't wearing like a 
balaclava, you know. I think he was wearing like a like a COVID mask. You see, it's kind of stupid because you would do something like what the Zodiac did, which is where you effectively put on nearly a paper bag over your head. So then that's going to completely throw off not only their perception of your height, it's also going to stop your DNA from your hair getting everywhere. And then they wouldn't be able to make out like your eyes and your head, stuff like that. So this guy should have known that. This guy will know who the Zodiac is. At least wear a pantyhose mask. Yeah, you know? put the the stockings on. Yeah, could have done could have done anything like that. This guy will know all of this, so he's already an idiot to me. So Dylan uh, said that she watched him head towards the sliding door and leave the house, and she went back into her room and locked her door, but didn't alert authorities for over eight hours. I always give people when you're in shock, you never know what you're gonna do or how you're gonna react. So I always just give people like the benefit of the doubt when they're in shock. Well, you get some leeway, but wouldn't you be like, you just saw a masked guy and crying. Wouldn't you run upstairs to see what happened? No, I don't think he would. I think it's like 4 a.m. There's a fucking stranger in your house, and I think you'd be freaked. And again, you don't know how you're going to react. You can sit there and say, oh, I would have gone upstairs and discovered the murders and rang the police, but you might not have. You might have just been like, it's 4 a.m. I've had a few drinks last night. Am I... I'm, is this happening? I don't know. I'm just fucking scared. I'm going to go back to my room. Well, it's also kind of uh, puzzling is why didn't he murder the other two? Yeah. Again, another thing you should know about if you're going to create the perfect murder. No survivors. And they say that he cased the house, so he would have known how many people live there. Yeah. And all he would have taken if he's got like an ice pick or whatever he used to murder them, an ice pick, a knife, he just could have jammed that into her neck. Yeah, just like that. You had a combat knife, like a Rambo knife. Right. Again, an ice pick probably would have been better to kill people. Just like once in the jugular, dead. Blood everywhere, but they're dead. Well, who knows how quickly people die. Not Um, me, officer. (laughs) An analysis here of surveillance footage showed that a white Hyundai Elantra, which was like very similar to the one that was seized when Koberger was arrested, Drove around the home several times between 3.29 a.m. and 4.04 a.m. before departing at a very high rate of speed at 4.20 a.m. Again, to bring up the Zodiac, you never run from the crime scene. You just walk away normally. It's like exactly. you're just bringing attention to yourself. And don't use your own fucking car. I think that should be a given. Don't use your own fucking car. Police said that there are over 19,000 tips that uh, help them. Uh, to uh, to arrest Koberger, oh, but amazing. they declined to say when he became a suspect or what brought him to their attention. Because he's done I it mean, before. there was some foren- like forensic analysis linked DNA evidence to Koberger to the crime scene. One of the uh, major pieces of evidence was a sheath of a U.S. Marine's K.A. Bar fighting knife that the murderer, which appears to have been a major slip-up here, left on a bed near the bodies of two of the victims. He's just, like, an idiot. He's definitely doing this for, I wouldn't say a sexual pleasure, but he's doing this for some form of release. Well, For, so for revenge. He's revenge-murdering these people. They lifted the DNA off the clasp of the knife sheath. The question is, did he leave it there on purpose? No, I don't think he would have. That's the question. It's either a slip up or was it premeditated? Was it intentional? Like he was leaving a mark, 
That's just something. What was he said. like? The lipstick killer, scrawling like, "For heaven's sake, catch me before I kill again." He's not but doing it, anything like that. But it's such an obvious, you know, mistake. Like to leave something like that behind. It's like, what would you? Was he just walking out holding a knife? Like, wouldn't you put it back in the sheath and put it in your pocket? Maybe he he misplaced it. Like, you know, at the Munson uh, crime scene, they lost a pair of the the spectacles that didn't really belong to anyone. So it could have been something like that, where his adrenaline's just pumping and he misplaced he it. And then on the way it. out, it's he careless. just wasn't even thinking about it. Well, Koberger should know the importance of DNA evidence. I mean, he was in a graduate program yeah. studying that. Um, and he should know about Lacard's exchange principle, which is a cherished rule of forensics that every contact leaves a trace. Like he would have been aware of that. Oh, yeah. And nowadays they can get you with just like one fucking hair follicle. They can get you through like carpet fibers that have made their way from your genes onto someone else's genes. They, nowadays it's mental what they can do. So his driving li- his driver's license uh, provided strong similarities with Dylan Mortensen's description of the masked man. He was, you know, the bushy eyebrows, the face, which he described, looked just like him. Um, they also, police looked into his mobile phone records and noticed he had been behaving quite suspiciously, yeah. driving by the neighborhood 12 times before the night of the killings. Oh and God. one of the victims, Kaylee uh, Goncalves, had complained of a stalker shortly before her death. So I wonder if she had spotted him. She probably had, yeah, definitely. Because I don't think this guy is like, this guy's got so much arrogance, but he's got nothing to back it up. Well, that's the thing. Um, On the night of the killings, Koberger's phone was detected in Pullman, which is where he lived at around 2.47 a.m., but then he switched it off for two hours and reconnected it again at 4.48. So... Why wouldn't you get a burner phone? Exactly. Get a fucking, get a murder phone, get a murder car. There's two things you should have done. And then get a murder disguise. Yeah. Why's he not wearing a disguise? Like the three things we're leaning. Rent a shitty car, you know, from like a hundred miles away. You know, I I wouldn't even rent a car, you know, I would, I would buy a car like out the back pages, like what used to be a granny's old runaround. And then I would take the car after the murders and just take it somewhere and fucking torture it. Well, I mean, even there, though, you're you're leaving evidence behind. I think it depends. I think the jury's out on that Clean one, the car first. Yeah, I mean, you could, it. you could do that, or you could sell it to someone else. or a, a rental car, like in a town 200 miles away, you just drop back off on there and then take a train or a bus back. No one would even know. But the rental agreement was a big part of how they got Jodi Arias for her murder. You need to buy the car out months before from it's like a shitty car, and you're going to burn it. Fake ID. Yeah, it could do his fake ID, but then people can still describe you. Well, possibly. I mean, people might see see what you look like. Um, Yeah, and then see the picture in the mugshot, and then know like, and there's a tip. Um, However, police are convinced that Koberger is the killer, yet they have no motive, and they don't even know whether or not he even knew the students that he allegedly killed. So. I mean, they don't. They can't really establish a connection that he has to students. Uh, but recently, yes. they did notice that he had DM'd three of them, three of the girls that live in that house. He had DM'd on Instagram. Oh, of course he has. And as, there was, was he no sending them Danzig memes. Yeah, possibly. He slid <laughs> into uh, actually he slid into two of the girls' DMs several times. 
Um, basically, it was him just saying, hey, how are you? Three oh times. God. And they never responded. But you, you know look. what? Though? Doesn't it go into that general, like, hidden area, hidden mailbox? Yeah, it could have. If they're not following you, it goes into your requests, which you never see. So you don't even know. Um, a former employee at the Mad Greek restaurant in Moscow, Idaho, said that Koberger came in at least twice to get a vegan pizza. Two of the victims, Madison Mogan and Zana Kernadel, were both servers at the restaurant. Oh, yeah. He's picked these people out. It's not like he's a dangerous serial killer because even like Bundy would kill on whim. Like Israel, you know, Israel Keys would kill on whim. That's what made them dangerous. Opportunistic. This guy's, yeah. yeah, this guy's stalking these people. And, and so he went into this, uh, this uh, restaurant frequently, ordered a vegan pizza, obviously spotted these waitresses, then found them on Instagram. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's creepy. It's typical incel behavior, though. Um, the former employee said that there was nothing really suspicious about Koberger's visits to the Mad Greek, um, except the thing that stood out is that he had a particular order. Uh, he was a strict vegan, and he said whatever he ate there could not be cooked on the same oven as uh, anything with animal products. I would assume that most pizza restaurants that are quality will be doing all the vegetarian and vegan pizzas in one oven anyways. Yeah, I think that we could keep it separately. That's the one reason why I refuse to eat the uh, the Beyond Meat or Impossible Whopper. Because you know what, Burger King, they're not cooking it on a separate grill. D, you say that, and then you were just talking about how you ate a Jello Divine. What do you think jelly is made from? It's different. It's a byproduct. It's not different. It's a it's byproduct. Not... It's like my leather jacket that I wear. I will eat a Beyond Meat burger from McDonald's. I don't care. Yeah, it's cooked on the same griddle. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. It's I don't too eat immediate. sweets like you do. It's too immediate. It's too close to the grease and the fat that was actually cooked with real beef. That's that's what bothers me about it. But well, I'm not a strict vegan, or I'm not even a strict vegetarian. I'm a pescatarian. Well, me too. So, oh, do you know what? I really want a burger now under pizza. I want a burger on top of a pizza. I know. It's, it's so funny that every time we do the show and I mention any food, you get really hungry. <laughs> It's like, have you eaten today? I have eaten, but I really want a burger. And I really want a pizza. I'm going to refrain from mentioning food uh, throughout this show. No, let's um, mention more food. Police also served a warrant on Koberger's apartment in uh, Washington State, and they discovered a reddish-brown stained pillowcase, a nitrite-type black glove, and hair strands. They even feel that one of the uh, hair strands that they found is a possible animal strand. That could be a major piece of evidence since one of the victims owned a dog. Yeah, if it might. see, that's how they get you nowadays. They don't even have to get you through fucking leaving. If you've been careful to not leave your DNA, it doesn't mean you've not picked up their DNA. Yeah, so uh, according to Koberger's lawyer, uh, Koberger and his father in December drove home together from Pullman, Washington, a two-and-a-half-day drive to uh, Pennsylvania in the Hyundai Elantra. Uh, they arrived in Pennsylvania December 17th. And so when he was in Pennsylvania, uh, detectives in the S FBI were already on to him. So they staked him out. And uh, they reportedly saw further evidence of his caution when he wore surgical gloves outside of his home, which he used to change his uh, license plate. Um, he also was scrubbing clean the car interior while wearing those gloves. 
He was then seen putting his family's garbage into the dustbins of their neighbor's house. Why so, did he do this at nighttime? Why does he do this when the neighbors can be looky-loos? Do this at 3 a.m. when no one's awake. But regardless, though, the FBI was staking him out 24-7, so they would have seen it. Yeah, but you could just be like, oh, I've got OCD about cleaning. I always wear, like, latex gloves to clean anything because I'm paranoid about germs. I'm like Howard fucking Hughes here. Well, I think when he was thinking he was going to avoid detection so they wouldn't be able to go through their garbage, he was being cautious by dumping it in a neighbor's garbage, but they still went through the garbage, yeah. got some DNA from, I think, the father and was able to uh, match what they found uh, in his home. Um, so all in all, these murders definitely seem to have been planned rather than a crime that happened in a moment of conflict or totally random, you know, Yeah. Uh, compared to a lot of other killers. So that's what's interesting when you start reading the media about how they're comparing him to certain killers. So not surprisingly, there are many killers who studied subjects such as criminal behavior, forensic science. Dennis Rader right there, the BTK killer. Yeah, uh, and Joseph killer. And Joseph D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer, both had criminal justice degrees. Mm-hmm. So the media is comparing uh, Koberger to Dennis Rader, BTK there. Uh, between 1974 That's and 91, so different. Rader killed 10 people in Wichita and Park City, Kansas, and sent taunting letters to the police and media outlets describing his crimes. He even gave himself the BTK acronym, Bind, Torture, Kill. So Love what's interesting is TMZ apparently has some kind of email relationship with BTK in prison. And uh, they emailed BTK about Koberger. And BTK said, Koberger, who would lay, you know, lie in wait for his victims, stalk them and case their home. He's like, that's much like what I did. He also said that Koberger has a dark mind, which he can relate to. I, w- I would go so far, though, as be like they're different because the BTK was definitely getting a fucking hard raging boner when he was killing his victims whereas i don't get any sexual perversions from um brian like well, we don't to me yet. like brian is nearly asexual we don't know yet but police have said that none of the, the victims were raped so yeah there you thing. go where dennis would definitely have a diddle btk also pointed out chilling parallels between his brutal 1974 murders of the otera family in kansas yeah. and the forest lane university of idaho students that Koberger is being charged with. He said in the email, murder four, much like the Oteros, up close and personal stabbed. And then he went on to mention that Koberger left DNA at the crime scene, just like he did at the Otero house, leaving his semen on one of the victim's bodies. Yeah, jacking off is a bit different, Dennis, isn't it? Isn't it? Like, he wasn't jacking off on the dead bodies. He didn't leave sp- he didn't leave ejaculate on the on the, the victim's bodies. He left the knife sheath behind carelessly on the ground. Completely different there, Dennis. Yes, and it is Dennis. Furthermore Dennis just wanted to talk about that time that he murdered that family and then he spunked all over the dead kids. That's all Dennis wants to talk about. He loves the attention and everyone should just leave him alone because that's really what would hurt Dennis Rader is for no one to ever contact him ever again. His little heart would break. And he furthermore BTK's first murder of the Otero family uh, involved an as- asphyxiation. Like he suffocated them. He didn't stab them. And yes, oh, and it- he did case the house and he broke in the middle of the night. You know, so the MO is similar to Koberger. But he jizzed all over one of the bodies, which definitely did not happen. No. 
you know. Idaho police have confirmed that there is no sexual assault of the four U.S. Um, uh, University of Idaho students uh, who were savagely stabbed to death. However, psychologists are interpreting the stabbing frenzy um, as pickerism, which is a term I had to look up. Uh, this means that the stabbing with a blade is being used as a substitute for a phallic thrust. So it was sexually motivated. Well, I mean, yeah, you could say that all murders are sexually motivated in some regards. But this, like Dennis Rader is a sexual sadist. Like he's getting off as he's murdering. Whereas Brian, I don't think is getting off because he can't get off. He's no, I don't think so either. Yeah. I think yeah. what Brian was trying to do was to commit a murder a perfect murder and get away with it because he's arrogant and he thought he could. And yeah. I think he thought he was in the same league as these killers. And he's definitely not. If he's not beyond nowhere them. near, uh, near that leagues. So they've uh, compared him also to, uh, to uh, D'Angelo here, who um, is the Golden State killer, Joseph D'Angelo. Uh, the Golden State killer's murder spree lasted nearly as long as BTK's. With at least 13 murders, 51 rapes, and 120 burglaries across California from 1974 to 1986. Tiny uh, little penis. That's how they got him. <laughs> by, by what? All of his victims, all of his rape victims, uh, remember that he had a tiny, tiny, weird little penis. So when they arrested him, they obviously had to look at his penis. And it's part of why they got him. That's like Harvey Weinstein with his deformed yeah. cock. Yeah. Um, they've also described uh, uh, or compared uh, Koberger to Lonnie David Franklin Jr., who's better known as the Grim Sleeper, an American serial ridiculous. killer who's responsible for 10 murders, uh, one attempted murder in L.A. Um, from uh, 1984 to 2007. He's convicted for rape, sexual violence, and murder. And there, there he is uh, in the picture. Now, these two guys are. I think all three of these guys are completely different from from uh, Koberger. Maybe Raider because he staked, you know, cased out a house and uh, you know killed so the family. So did D'Angelo though? D'Angelo wasn't an at whim person either. He would stalk stalk them out. Lots of serial killers will stalk out their victims first. Sometimes it's part of the joy of it. But these three people are all sexual sadists. And exactly, they they received some kind of sexual gratification from these murders, and they were rapists as well. Which, as far as we know, with Koberger, not a rapist, didn't achieve any kind of sexual gratification from these murders, other than being a mass murderer. I, you know, he was also not a serial killer. Yeah, he's not a serial killer. He's a mass killer, and there as, is a difference. As far as we know, we don't know if he's had, uh, you know, other victims in the past. I mean, a lot of uh, psychologists, forensic psychologists, are saying that the way he stabbed these students to death means that he's done it before. But how would you know that? How could you prove that? Yeah, I mean, it's like saying, like, oh, what? When Susan Atkins went into the Sharon Tate house, she knew how to kill a pregnant woman. Like, no, she didn't. She's just gonna fucking. You're just gonna stab, aren't you? If you're gonna stab someone, you just go for it. So, My advice, just go for it if you stop someone. Koberger is obviously, you know, had studied these three uh, killers and maybe he thought he could emulate them. You know, he studied BTK under uh, Ramsland in college. You know, the, yeah. uh, the, the forensic psychologist who wrote the book about him. Um, experts have also been looking for parallels with Koberger uh, with uh, mass murderer Richard Speck, which I find this one reaching. 
This is totally reaching because, again, Richard Speck was an opportunistic killer and he's killing so that he can... Well, he raped all the women first and then he would kill them in, like, one night of torture. And then he got titties. Well, he and plus he was, like, a, a burglar. I mean, he was a burglar. He was a rapist. He was, you know, a career criminal. Koberger was not at all. You know, his tattoo on his arm, which was very visible to Born all to raise the hell. One, yeah, Bonnery's hell. And he lived by that ethic. He'd be arrested 41 times before the age of 24. Koberger was not like that at all. Not to mention, no. uh, Speck was a poor student. I mean, he dropped out of uh, he dropped out of school in like right after eighth grade. So how old is he then? Like what, 16? No, eighth grade. Like 13. Oh shit. <laughs> he wasn't very intelligent. No. You know. Um, Speck uh, brutally murdered eight nursing students in their Chicago residence on the night of July 13th, 1966. Um, another difference here, Speck was married. He had a wife named Shirley Malone who reportedly lived in fear of him. Uh, Speck, uh, she said that Speck would often rape her at knife point and demanded sex four to five times a day. Oh, come on, Dick Speck. That's a bit much. He was horny. Let her rest. And uh, yeah, he was a career criminal. He, he was arrested for theft, robbery, fraud, and assault. Uh, the night of July 12, 1966, he was on a drinking binge when he randomly came across a nurse's dormitory. I'm sure he was looking for something like this. On the south side of Chicago, he broke in, and at gunpoint, he woke up all the American nurses, as well as there were uh, uh, Filipino exchange students there, and he tied the six girls' wrists behind their backs uh, with strips of torn bed sheets. He then bled them one by one out of the room and then stabbed or strangled each of the women to death. It turned out one of the, uh, the student nurses, a Filipina uh, exchange student named Corazon Amurayo, uh, yeah, she managed she to hide the under bed. the bed while the classmates were being brutally murdered. In fact, he only raped one of the nurses. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Gloria Jean Davy who was dropped off by her, by her boyfriend late that night, which sucks, the timing there. She was dropped off by the boyfriend. She walked in, and he you know, he, stabbed he her and uh, raped her repeatedly before uh, strangling her. Wanka. Yeah. Um, Amoreo, who the, the survivor there, which could you imagine the trauma from that? Um, she, went, she was actually a witness at the trial, and in a very dramatic moment, she stood directly in front of Richard Speck and pointed at him saying, this is the man. And so that trial of Richard Speck in, like, was that 66? Yeah, uh, was, um, was a national sensation. It was one of the first times in 20th century American history that someone had killed so many people at random. Little did and they know. That was kind of the norm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but little did they know, like, what, two years later, helter-skelter murders would take place? And the Zodiac was rocking around, yeah. too. The Zodiac's going down lovers' lanes and shooting people, and then he would have basically San Francisco in a terror hold. That was all at random. Um, yeah. Just an aside here, a couple fun facts about Speck. He was given the nickname Birdman because he kept a pair of sparrows that had flown into his cell. Isn't that very nice? I respect that about him. There's a, there's a similarity between uh, Kate Rambo and Richard Speck. I do love birds. Um, my favorite thing about Richard Speck, which I know me and Harrison used to joke about on the, the show. The titties. In 1996, you can you can do a search for the 1996 video jail video of Spec. A bizarre video is taken of Spec from 1988 that was released to the public by an anonymous attorney. And in the video, 
Speck is wearing silk panties and he had female-like breasts that he had, you know, developed using growth hormone treatments. Um, or not growth hormone. I think he smuggled uh, uh, estrogen hormone treatments. What's the term for men who basically become feminine so that they can, like, have sex in jail? Is it sisters? Is it sissies? Sisters? It's one of those terms. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's, it it's definitely thing. sounds like a reversal of character here for Spec. Um, no, I think he's just so sex-orientated, D. And, like, when you're in jail for a long time, in one of Eddie Bunker's books, he wrote about this, and Eddie Bunker was a lifelong, like, in and out of jail up until his 50s. He writes that it kind of doesn't matter. Like, Alvin Carpus was fucking boys. He didn't care. It's like you either go with it or you go without. And Richard Speck is not going to go without sex. Well, it sounds like, I mean, Speck was getting sex four to five, four to five times a day from his wife. I think uh, he definitely uh, was a bit of an, uh, an addict there. Um, but in this video, it showed him with the, the female breasts that he that he uh, had grown. He also performed oral sex on another inmate, and they were both doing large amounts of cocaine. The video the, is great. The mount, I love the pile of cocaine that's just like sat on the table. It's like an absolute mound. It's nearly Scarface levels of cocaine. He loved jail. I mean, oh, he's yeah. happy to be in jail. I mean, he's, he said he was having more fun in there than he ever did on the outside. And for people like that, I can believe it. Whereas for people like Raider, being in jail will be soul-crushing because he's not getting any attention. At one point, a prisoner from behind the camera asked Speck why he killed the eight student nurses, to which he replied, guess it wasn't their night. And he laughed. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> but the primary killer that, uh, that Koberger is being compared to is none other than Ted Bundy. And there he is. There's Ted Bundy. Um, and, you know, I, I got to say, there are some similarities, but I think Fear. there's hardly a parallel there. So Koberger was a Ph.D. student at the Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology at Washington State University, which is only 300 miles from Bundy's alma mater. You know, Bundy uh, received an undergraduate degree from the University of Washington, where he majored in psychology before moving on to law school at the University of Utah. Bundy was also intelligent. I read that his IQ was around 136. Not sure what Koberger, not sure where Koberger was, but I'm sure Koberger is higher than average. Yeah, they always band around that he was a genius, but he was just mediocre. Like well, Bundy was just mediocre. I don't think 136 is genius level. I think you got to be over no. 150 for that. Yeah, I, I mean, he's like, he's like well-read, but he's by no means an Einstein. He's not a genius. No, I don't think so at all. But, I mean, I think he's definitely more intelligent than Richard Speck. Of That's course. Not well, much. I mean, Bundy didn't drop out of school at the age of 13. Now, Bundy stalked and killed college students, which Koberger is accused of doing the same. But the question is, did he really stalk? Because most of his victims were random and opportunistic. Yeah, complete. he was a complete predator. Like that whole thing where he would go out to, you know, the lake and he would have a cast on his arm and then he would, it's nearly like chucking a cast into a pond. You're waiting to see who will come to you, who will bite, so to yeah. speak. So Bundy was a serial killer, not a mass murderer. He was a serial killer and a rapist of over Sexual 30 women sickness. whom he confessed to. I'm sure there's many more. Now, Koberger, on the other hand, stalked these four, you know, these three women um, you know, he definitely cased, cased the house and then he brutally murdered them. He didn't rape them. He didn't curl one out 
on one of their corpses, like Bundy purportedly did. He did. He definitely shit on a few of the crime scenes, actually. Yeah. You know, um, by the time Ted Bundy was a teenager living in Washington, uh, he already exhibited signs of the uh, sadistic serial killer that he'd become. Uh, he recalled, like in interviews, uh, that he was antisocial. He wandered the streets looking for discarded pornography or open windows through which he could spy on unsuspecting women. Uh, he had an extensive juvenile record for theft. Um, uh, he was, and, and if you look at that, I mean, Koberger definitely didn't fit that description. No, it might have been a bit antisocial, but you could also see why he'd be antisocial because he's been bullied. Ted wasn't being bullied. But Ted was also gregarious, and he had actual relationships with women. He did. Unlike and I Koberger. would also like to point out, we're missing out the most important thing about Bundy here. He's a fucking necrophiliac. No, that's, like that's I, another difference. I don't think Brian was, like, after they died, I don't think he was out there, like, shagging the dead bodies or taking the heads as a memento to his favorite woods and then having his wicked way with the heads. He wasn't doing that, any of that. Whereas Bundy was compelled to do that. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, there's, there's a huge difference there. Um, you know, both were interested in crimes. You know, there's a, there's a Reddit post that's been going around with Koberger that's been unearthed after his arrest that, where he had been on Reddit asking prisoners about their, questioning about their crimes, or people in general, people who had been to prison, about, you know, how often their crimes were committed, how their victims were targeted, and how someone would leave a crime scene. But this is for his master's thesis. You know, people are trying to use it like, oh, God, the guy was so obsessed with crime, he's going onto online forums and asking people these questions. Sure, he might have got a little more out of it than, than most people. Yeah. However, he was using he was writing a thesis about the criminal mind. So, yes, so he needed um, to. Bundy, who was roughly the same age as Koberger at the time of his first murders, uh, spent time as the assistant director of the Seattle Crime Prevention Advisory Commission in Olympia, Washington, where he yeah, actually wrote rules. a pamphlet uh, for women on rape prevention. There's some irony. Well, yeah, Anne Rule in her book about Bundy says that it's ironic that he probably helped protect a lot of women against him. At the same time, <laughs> he's also killing them on the side. Now, this is where I have to disagree. The mug shots and the physical similarities. So yeah. if you pull up the picture that's their mug shot here, everyone's going on saying that Koberger looks just like uh, just like Bundy. Like they have a very if side by side. They have a very similar hairstyles and eyebrows, the same thin lips, gaunt cheekbones and matching ears. Do you see that at all? No, I mean, obviously Bundy uh, changed his looks a lot, but he never changed the fact he had brown hair, brown eyes, and uh, brown eyebrows, same as Brian. But Bundy has very thin, unkissable lips, whereas like, I would probably kiss Brian. Like, he's got kind of kissy lips, but he does have really sticky-out ears. Like, yeah, they're super, I think he's they're, got a jug head. But look at their noses look different. I don't think Bundy has bushy eyebrows. I think they're both white men caucasian and they have like yeah. brownish hair i think there's a similarity look at Koberger's eyes like they they definitely look more together yeah they're too close together they look sunken in they do i think bundy is way more attractive yes i me. would say out of the two of them i would yeah like um fuck or marry or kiss i would probably marry bundy and uh i would kiss brian and fuck richard speck well, I think I would have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't see it. I, 
I, I don't know. I know people are like, oh, they look, you know, they're like. Uh, they do you know, not. They're, they're, they resemble each other completely. A striking resemblance, which I don't even think Bundy has gone cheekbones. Well, I mean, when he lost all the, when he had to lose all the weight for his escape, yeah, he was gone as fuck then, but he'd lost like, I don't know, how many pounds, like 50 pounds. So yeah, he's gone, but he's not gone. I mean, Bundy always looks healthy to me. But if you go on Twitter, I mean, these Twitter users think <laughs> oh. they're like twinsies. They're the other twinsies. person that they think uh, Koberger looks like is an actor named Pablo Schreiber, who I, I'd never heard of. Um, but apparently he played the serial killer that tormented Benson on SVU. Again, I have no idea about any of that. Uh, no, I, I can kind of see it, but at the same time, no. I think this actor looks more like uh, Brian than Bundy. Yeah, but once again, like tall, thin, white guy with brown hair. It's kind of like when, you know, <laughs> when you look at somebody from Asia and you're like, you don't know where they're from. You're just like, ah, oh, they're a Chinaman. Because we're white, we're like, they look completely different. <laughs> but if well, I mean, we were white, the... would we not be saying, yeah, they look exactly the same to me, bro? These are all the Twitter and Reddit sleuths. Uh, personally, if you ask me, I think he looks like the Oxycontin version of Josh Groban. Josh so look so at Josh Groban. Th think about if you cut his hair, give him like, I don't know, six months worth of Oxy. I think he would look just like uh, Koberger. I see that. I see your joke. But Josh Groban is like, everyone knows he's a sweetheart. So I'm not taking the implications very well. <laughs> Josh Groban isn't a sweetheart. That's, that's, that's an act. It's, what? You think it's an act? He's really it's funny when he does yeah. all the shows. He's so funny for a Canadian. For a Canadian, he's hilarious. Um, one of, uh, some, someone tweeted on, uh, on, on Twitter, I'm creeped out by the similarities with Ted Bundy. Both studied psychology and criminology at University of Washington, which he didn't go to, uh, Coburg didn't go to University of Washington. She said, I was a Chi Omega sorority member in the 90s, and we never forgot what Ted did. Right. Okay. Get over it. I mean, even the sorority where Bundy killed all the girls is still a fucking sorority. Time moves on. Like, lightning isn't going to strike twice, although it kind of did. In early December, John Henry Brown, Bundy's one-time attorney, told news outlets that he believed there were numerous similarities between the Idaho killings and those committed by Bundy. Um, I don't know. Koberger left behind quite a bit of evidence. You know, but in fairness, so Bundy, though. yeah, but in fairness, don't you think it would have been easier for Bundy to elude capture back then than now? Yeah, obviously it is. And that's another reason why, like, the Zodiac is still out there, possibly, you know, like back then um, it was easier. But nowadays it's way tougher. Brown said the randomness actually is something that stands out. Of course, most of Ted's misbehavior was random. There were times when Ted would follow people and decide not to kill them. And that was his way of exercising his grandiosity. I can control mm -hmm. life here and there. But All the killers do that. All of but them. how often did, did Bundy just prey on this random, unsuspecting, attractive college woman? He would go out, like I said, he, hunting. he basically went out hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he often had a ruse. Like, he would wear his arm in a sling or a leg in a fake cast and be walking on crutches. And then he was charming, and he would, like, fake the disability to get his victim to help him with his books to his car. 
And then once you know they they he gained their trust, he would strike them over the head with a crowbar or a pipe. And he had actually removed uh, one of the the, the passenger the seat handles. in his Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, you know, and so then uh, he would immobilize the victim uh, with handcuffs, and he'd force them in the vehicle, and then they would lay down. You know, he'd lay them down in the car so no one could see them as they drove away. And yeah, I mean, he raped and murdered scores of women this way. You know, typically he strangled or bludgeoned his victims as well as mutilating them after deaths or after death. Uh, he would return to visit the corpses at the dump sites, uh, sometimes take them home to gain further sexual gratification. That's a serial killer with a perverse sexual, you know, um, obsession. He's a necrophiliac. Necrophiliac. Yeah. He would, you know, as you mentioned before, he would take, uh, display their decapitated heads in their apartment. Koberger did not do any of this. I would also go so far as, although Bundy never confirmed that he was a cannibal, he was asked about it multiple times, and he would just go silent. So to me, yeah, Bundy was probably eating the dead vaginas. I have no doubt that he was taking nibbles out of them. But as far as we know, Koberger didn't sexually assault his victims, he didn't mutilate the corpses, and he didn't take a souvenir. Not taking a souvenir alone to me is like you are not. To me, a serial killer always takes a little memento, be it whatever, even if it's like, you know, a necklace that they're going to give to their wives or girlfriends. The fact he took nothing and he's just there for the sheer joy of murder to me is like a mass murder. It's like somebody going into a crowded room with a gun and shooting everyone. It's not really it doesn't take much skill. Bundy was arrested for the first time August 16th, 1975 at the age of uh, 29. I was a I was I was actually born that year. <laughs> you were. <laughs> how old I am. Um, <laughs> he was sentenced to death and died in the electric chair, January twenty fourth, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, that's two days after my birthday. I would have been thirteen then. Wow. <laughs> um, he was age forty three at the time of his execution. He had confessed to thirty murders, though the actual numbers uh, remain unknown. Um, you know what I saw that actually, we should go check this out one of these days, but his Volkswagen's actually on display at the Alcatraz East Crime Museum in Tennessee. We're definitely going there because there's that little holy trinity of things to see in that part of Tennessee because there's Dolly, uh, Dollywood. Then you can drive down to the Alcatraz and then you know what else is just down along from there? A full-on replica of the Titanic. What? Yeah, we have to go there. We definitely have to Yeah, it's like that. a little holy trinity of amazing things to see and do. So if... I had to compare Koberger and an infamous killer. I think it would be a, he would be a composite of Nathan Leopold and the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. I see that. So hear me out on this. Leopold was very intelligent, brilliant. Um, if you go by, by uh, you know, standard IQ tests, he had an IQ of 210 to 220, reportedly. Uh, Kaczynski's IQ was 167. I mean, he studied... Like, he had a PhD in mathematics. Oh, yeah, and he, like, finished fucking school. He was in Harvard at the age of 16, but even having an IQ like that makes him seem like a dum-dum compared to a Jewish Leopold. Leopold, yeah. So 1924, Nathan Leopold, who was 19, and Richard Loeb, Leopold and Loeb here, uh, kidnapped and murdered 14-year-old Robert Franks in Chicago simply to prove that they could get away with a perfect murder. There they are in court. Um, they were students at the University of Chicago. They became, they became interested in the perfect crime. Um, and uh, at the time, Loeb, uh, Loeb was uh, studying law, and Leopold was interested in psychology. 
particularly the concept of the Ubermenschen, the supermen, put forth by the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, Nietzsche suggested there are certain members of society that were transcendent, had extraordinary abilities, and possessed a superior intellect. Who do you think had a similar arrogance to that? I think Koberger. Definitely. Yeah, of course. Um, and he'll have been aware of Nietzsche as well. Well, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know if Koberger thought he was an ubermensch, but he definitely had this air of superiority about him, especially when it came to intellect, the way he argued with women, you know, fellow doctoral students, and the way he explained, mansplained to people. Totally. Um, Leopold and Loeb kind of have an Eric and Dylan thing going on to me. Like, they might not have jacked each other off. But they were definitely jerking it in the same room. Yeah, I think so too. I don't know if they were, if they had some kind of homosexual relationship, but they definitely had seen each other's dicks before. Yeah, they've got that kind of energy and vibe. Uh, Leopold became convinced that he was an ubermensch. And uh, he felt he was not bound by the laws or ethics of society. And he was so arrogant that he felt that they could, and he convinced Loeb to follow along with his plan that they could convince the perfect murder. And they spent months planning the crime. They, they thought they would do a kidnapping and a murder. Uh, they planned the way they would kidnap and murder the victim, that they would dispose of them, how they would dispose of the body. Um, they, would de- they would demand a ransom. And so it was all planned out. And in Leopold's mind, he was like, there's no way they would get caught. And so in the end, they ended up bludgeoning poor 14-year-old Bobby Franks to death. Uh, in the car, like they picked the poor kid up and they, they uh, bludgeoned him to death, buried him in a shallow grave, burned his body with hydrochloric acid to obscure his, uh, his identification. And then uh, they sent a ransom note on a stolen typewriter that they burned soon after. Well, See, you burn the things. You burn the things, do you? Yeah, but much like uh, Koberger here, uh, they, uh, uh, Leopold left a pair of glasses near the scene. And they ended up finding the burned typewriter, too. But detectives managed to tie the glasses to Leopold because there were only three pairs of glasses of that type that were ever manufactured in that state, and one was sold to Nathan Leopold. Idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Just idiots. And you look at Koberger, who uh, left behind quite a bit of evidence, if you think about it, for being someone so educated in criminal justice. Yeah. I mean, he should have known better. Um, Leopold and Loeb both ultimately admitted that their motive had simply been the thrill, blaming their behavior on their Superman delusions and their need to commit the perfect crime. Uh, one thing's interesting is uh, uh, Leopold, Leopold's, or Loeb's parents, actually, Loeb's parents are also very wealthy, hired Clarence Darrow, mm-hmm. the, the famous lawyer, for, um, to, to defend them. In what was called the trial of the century, but Darrow uh, was opposed to capital punishment, and so uh, he did end up getting those guys uh, uh, sentenced to life in prison, plus ninety nine years. Um, the other person I think Coburg uh, could be compared to is Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, who killed three people and injured twenty three others between seventy eight nineteen seventy eight nineteen ninety five in a nationwide mail bombing campaign against people that he believed to be advancing modern technology and the destruction of the environment. Ted Kaczynski over there was most certainly an incel, socially isolated, depressed, and very awkward around women. Yeah, I would say, and yeah, did he even ever lose his virginity? I don't even think he ever had sex. I mean, they say 
that he did have a relationship with a woman, like in, I think in in uh, college when he was teaching, but it's not really proven. Right. But he claims that his social isolation and difficulties with women um, happened because he was bullied as a youth. Oh, much well, you like bullied Koberger. in school. Well, Ted. he was bullied because he was an intellectual overachiever, and uh, he felt that a lot of people were, um, you know, regarded him as a freak. Um, but he said uh, by the time he left high school, he was regarded as a freak by a major portion of the student body. And he was really awkward around women. You know, uh, he actually asked a woman how physically attractive she found him. And she said, eh, you're running the mill. And he said he that made him. He, yeah. I mean, that set him off. He, he forever thought he was unattractive to women. You know? Oh, my God. See, I just say these men, instead of going to seek therapy for all their like problems, they're just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to build some bombs in my shack that doesn't even have uh, plumbing or electricity. And I'm just going to, you know, blow up people. Well, and that sounds better to me than getting therapy. He's sublimating his rage about not getting laid. I know, um, idiots. Later in life, what you like. there was a report that, uh, with an interview with Kaczynski where he said he had intense anger when he was living in a rental home for college students because he could hear the other students having sex through the walls. And he even attempted to get those students uh, evicted for this. That's very much sounds like Elliot Rogers when he's like, I'm beautiful, I'm handsome, yet all the girls pick the other boys. Why aren't they picking me to shag? It also sounds Elliot like Koberger. Rogers. I mean, who's, yeah. who's slipping into these random girls' DMs and not getting a response. I mean, I'll that guy was really awkward around women. I highly, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking he probably got laid. He's not that, that, that bad looking, but I think, I don't I think, think he got laid very often. No, and I think his personality would be enough to put anyone off shagging him because despite what some men might think, looks really don't matter. Like, oh my God, you should see some of the creatures from the Blue Lagoon that I have uh, taken into my bedroom. Yeah, look it's at a, this if one. You, uh, if you're funny, you get the fanny. <laughs> That's the real. Just learn a couple of jokes, make the chicks laugh. That's all you've got to do. I really wish more women felt that. It's um, true, you incel. Yeah. Uh, there are several anecdotal reports of Kaczynski's awkward failed attempts at picking up women. Uh, one in 1978, he courted a female supervisor at a factory that he worked. And even after being rejected, he wrote crude limericks about her, rap songs, uh, which then got him fired. I would say the limericks would probably actually make me probably like him. <laughs> if he came up to me and he was like, yo, I was experimented on. I was experimented on by like the governmental agencies. I'd be like, really? Tell me more. Let's go to dinner. Why didn't he ever open up a conversation with that? Well, after this whole uh, getting fired for the limericks, uh, Kaczynski withdrew from society shortly thereafter, and he committed the first bombing following the incident in the oh, same year. Yeah. Ted Bundy, did the woman you love reject you, and now you're going to kill all women? But it reminds me of Koberger's desperate DMs yeah, totally. to his victims. I'm sure they weren't the only ones he DM'd and he never got a response or a complete rejection, you know? Um, quick aside here about Kaczynski. I didn't know this, but when I was reading about him, do you know that uh, he went to a psychiatrist because uh, he was having, like, transsexual fetishes? I, like, knew something about this, but I don't think he ever wanted to fully, like, put on a dress and start being called, like, Fyodor, Fyodora. He said he had a fleeting desire to become a woman. He booked an appointment with a psychiatrist to be approved to undergo a sex change. But then when he showed up, 
I guess he lost his nerve. And during the consultation, he lied to the psychiatrist. Instead, stated the reason for the consult was that he was there because he was anxious about possibly being drafted in the Vietnam War. There's a lot you could say about Ted, though. Like, was he vaguely normal until uh, he was basically being uh, oper- like, you know, he was experimented on, yeah. experimented on, or, or was this the result of being experimented on while he was so young? So it is a bit different to Brian in that regards. I've got a bit, like, a little bit of empathy for um, Teddy here. Well, Kaczynski said that he developed a violent hatred for the psychiatrist, and it was a major turning point in his life because he felt disgusted as to what his constant sexual cravings had driven him to do, and uh, he developed a sense of self-hatred that he transferred onto the psychiatrist, and later on, the people that he claimed were evil technologists, you know, and then he started this mail-bombing campaign. Um, Now, you look at Koberger... He was a social, or he is, a socially awkward incel with a superiority complex and a visceral hatred for women. You and know, men. And, and Don't forget that men. incels hate men too. Well, they yeah, hate and, both of us. Well, that's what I'm saying. A hatred for women and men who are able to be with women. You and know? It, Yeah, and just men who can just be better than you socially. Incels well, are just stupid. I, <laughs> I think he admired serial killers to the point of emulation, but I think he felt he was superior to them. And he could pull off the perfect murder without being caught. I mean, he was very yeah. arrogant, this guy. Very arrogant. And can I just point out, there's only... The murderers who have never been caught have pulled off the perfect murder because they've never been caught. And that's probably the Zodiac. Yeah. I mean, was, as far the, as we know... The perfect crime. He's the only one. As far as we know, yeah. But if Koberger, you know, considered himself this master of crime, you know, he wasn't very good. No. I mean, I think people are giving him way too much credit for his academic excellence. Sure, he was able to you know, memorize textbooks and regurgitate that stuff when he took a test. But he had a lot of elementary mistakes here, you know, made from a forensic and technological perspective. You look at what he did, what he left behind, uh, you know, driving in the area, the cell phone records. Using the know. same car. That's yeah. your car. Like, it's all, even we were just saying before, we're laymen and we were coming up with things that you, you should have done instead of what he did. And not like, um, maybe this is like a classist thing to say as well, but everyone's like, oh yeah, he's in university. A lot of people are in university these days. It wasn't like the 1970s where you had to have a lot of money and good standing pretty much to go to university. Nowadays, like everyone's got a fucking degree in social media. You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't make him any more special well, because he's studying criminology. I mean, me. he was a PhD candidate, which I think is a little bit better than just being an under, undergraduate degree. Well, yeah, that is. You know? But I mean, at the same time, I, I'm not sat here thinking, oh yeah, he finished high school at 16 and then went to Harvard like Teddy. No, but I mean, he was, I mean, you got to give him his due here. He was definitely a PhD student. I just felt his ego was blown yeah, way out totally. of proportion. I mean, I think he felt he was like a master criminal, kind of like a, like like Leopold. Leopold. I, mean, I think he thought I, he could pull off the perfect crime. Um, it, interesting here that a former FBI agent uh, found that uh, that Koberger used an alias. They were able to time to an alias in a discussion group here um, on Facebook, uh, an alias called Papa Roger, where he was actually discussing the quadruple murders that he committed. Well, Israel Keys did something very similar. Um, In late November, he tweeted that he believed police had found the murderer's knife sheath. 
And uh, according to the administrator of a Facebook discussion group on the killings, he was arguing incessantly with people. And he said some really creepy stuff to, about women. You know what's really going to annoy me? Because when I lost my Facebook uh, because of last year, because of that JonBenet Ramsey meme, if this was happening in the Deaf Hags group, which I really miss, and they won't let me back in because I've not been on Facebook long enough because I'm still a new account, I'm going to be so annoyed. No, I don't know. I don't know where it was, but it was I obviously. Hope it wasn't in that I mean, group. there's so many groups who were discussing these Idaho crimes. I mean, it kind of gripped the gripped the nation in the last couple of months of last year. Um, also, based on his resemblance to a man uh, in the crowd in a video clip that was posted online, some believe that Koberger was present at a vigil for the victims at their university. Yeah, okay, that's a lot of, lot of serial killers do that. Yeah. yeah, a lot of killers do that. I think the takeaway here is that if you want to commit the perfect murder, it has to be completely random. Don't pet the victim's dog. <gasps> Get a burner phone. Such a good boy. Rent a car from a city 100 miles away from where you live and never there, okay. argue about the murder on Facebook. And I also disagree with you there because I'd totally be on Facebook saying, guess who did it? Me. I don't know. I think, there, I think there's ways, those are ways you can get caught. Well, he's an idiot, people. and I'm glad he's been caught. People, this is episode 877 here, Sick and Wrong. We got some phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032 is that number. Before we get to that, here's a quick word from our beloved sponsor, AdamandEve.com. Hey, guys. It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Lugaric's disease got pretty bad. Let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E. I am now a new man. Thanks. Okay, Rambo, we got a couple phone calls here. 323-522-4032 is that number. And people, you can email the show at sickrompodcast at gmail.com. Just send us an MP3. Um, the first call is actually more of a social issue that I um, fully support. And I'm playing this to uh, spread awareness of a very important issue. Hi, Dee. Hi, Kate. It's your fake mum here. Um, I've had an interesting week. I think I've been radicalised. I've um, been on strike this week with all my other fellow nurses. Most fantastic experience. Um, it's cost me money, like it has everybody else. Um, but I did stand on the picket line, froze my toes off, froze my fingers off. And it was well worth it. The support from the general public was absolutely amazing. I fully support this strike, even though I'm not British. British. I support anyone who's striking. I support the posties. I support the fucking real workers. I support all of these people. Fucking stick it to the man. Fucking well, go it's for so it. fucked that your entire country, like everything's on strike. Every service is on strike. You're, when I flew out to, uh, um, on, uh, to Lisbon through uh, Heathrow, Fucking 
Heathrow is on strike. strike. Yeah. You know what I think is funny is like they just were like, oh, we can't find the money anywhere to give all these people their raises. But don't worry, I got my bonus and I still have my second home that I can visit. It's like, fuck you. Like every boss I know, like the the manager of just my uh, where I work, the warehouse where I work, he got a hundred grand this year. We didn't get, I didn't even get a fucking Christmas card. I didn't even get a kick in the ass for Christmas. And he gets a hundred grand. So you're telling me that what? All these managers and business owners can't just like fucking dole out some money to the, uh, to the government or the government can't pay for it. It's fucking bullshit. It's absurd. And you look at like, you know, if you're, if you were a governmental leader, like in the Tory party, and you saw that your whole country, the infrastructure of your country is on strike. Your nurses on strike. I mean, the, the the integral healthcare workers. Your trains on strike. Your airports on strike. Wouldn't you take a step back and be like, "Hey, this is kind of fucked up. Maybe we need to fix this." They're all saying that the country is like, we're not bankrupt, but we don't have the money to pay for this strike. But they weren't saying that when they were like, "Oh yeah, let's clap for the NHS." Uh huh. They weren't saying that then. It's like give these people just like. Everything's rising. These people need, we all need a raise. I fucking, I'm blue collar and I earn dog shit money. It's like, I need a raise. Fucking give yeah, us it. I do think it's fucked up. And the world needs nurses. We, we really oh, do yeah. need nurses. Everybody driving past was beeping their horns. Um, apparently the day before I did the second day on the picket line, my colleagues that did the day before, <laughs> they got mooned at. And somebody nice. stopped their car and called the murderers. But there was absolutely nothing eventual that eventful, should I say, that happened to us. It was just great. We had members of the public stopping the cars, bringing us pizza, bringing us cakes. Um, the- wow, that's some, that's support. I don't think that happens here. Fuck, nobody would be stopping to fucking bring the forklift truck drivers on strike. Nobody would be stopping to bring us bringing pizzas. Pizza. I'm yeah. jealous. I love nurses. They deserve it. But all that I work out, incredibly supportive. The amount of planning that went into it. Um, emergency care was not affected at all. People that were really, really sick were still looked after. Um, they set up refreshments in the education building. There was even a little table with crisps and pot noodles. It was great. There was a real... God, I want a strike in the UK. This is great. This is better than the meal I usually get at work. I'm getting hungry again. Do you have pot noodles in America? They're very iconic British here. What's a pot noodle? It's just like a bunch of noodles in in a in a pot, and you just add hot water, and they're all different flavors. So like chicken ramen. and mushroom is the classic, right? Chicken and mushroom, it's green pot. Not into that. My one is Bombay Bad Boy, which you would probably like. Although I actually have a gripe with the Bombay Bad Boy. It used to be super, super, super spicy. And it isn't anymore. It's not. It doesn't even like level to me on terms of spice. Is that like a chicken noodle soup? It's just like a bunch of noodles, and you put the water, put water in, and then the noodles rehydrate, and then you put the flavoring in. Hmm. All right. No, I don't. I think you would well, like a it. Cup the next of noodle. I think here. we have. I think we have something like a cup of noodle. Very similar to similar. cup of noodle, but yeah. we've got a myriad of flavors. And if I can't get a Bombay bad boy, then I will settle for a chow mein. That's the blue one. Bombay bad boy. Sounds like it's a good. Indian porn star. It's black. You'd like Feeling it. Feeling that we're all in this together. And 
absolutely anybody who loves the health service is singing from the same hymn sheet, which was absolutely great. Um, so that was that. I've been in a protest. And no doubt I'll be in another one because it doesn't look like our dickhead government is going to be doing anything anytime soon. But you know what? It's for the right reasons. Um, Just a shame, really, that the RCN and Unison have mentioned money because it's not about the money. I worked day and eve for 20 years. And on the day I left, if they'd have offered me three times my salary, I would have still walked because it was horrific. Unless you're in the middle, unless you're on those wards or in those emergency departments or ITU, you just don't realise how bad it is. And it's... What does she mean? It's not about the money. Like they don't want they don't want extra pay, or it's just no, they, they want to limit the hours. Yeah, yeah, they still want like pay, but it's it is about like they be, want basic human like workers' rights. Which I, I've always been pointing this out to people. We had to have a second world war for us to establish uh, basic workers' rights. Where we're only going to work so many hours in a week. We're only going to do this. And you have to, like, legally, like, you know, if you're doing a night shift, you can't finish night shift at 8 a.m. and then come back four hours later. That's fucking against the law. You're legally entitled to your holidays. You're legally entitled to take off the bank holidays if you so want, although you would have to sometimes take them unpaid. That's all they want. And they work so hard and they do a very taxing, stressful job that give nurses and doctors whatever the fuck they want. Like, they can ask for anything. We rely on them at the end of it all. I don't think doctors or nurses in the UK are paid as well as they are here. In the US. No, and that's why they'll come, they'll get their doctorates and then they'll fuck off to a place that appreciates them, like Australia, New Zealand, where they're going to get basic workers' rights at the very least. So the uh, the train strikers and the posties, are they striking for also like better hours or are they striking mostly for yeah. more pay? Both. I know that the posties want to work more days. Like traditionally, Sunday isn't delivered. Um, uh, mail isn't delivered on a Sunday here. I know it is in America. That baffles me. No, no. But they want to work Sundays. They want to like have deliver mail. So there's less strain on the country, and especially I think during COVID, when everything became like a very online world, like just give everyone yeah, increase what they want. online ordering. Hey, I'd be down for them to deliver mail on Sunday. Awful. So please, please, I know everybody probably is already, but you've got to support the nurses and the ambulance service and the doctors. Because in Britain, if we don't make this stand now and if we don't fight for it, we are going to lose our health service. At the moment, it's in tatters, but there is hope. So anyway, that's me. That's my little rant. Had fun on the picket line. Love you both loads. And I'm glad that you've had a lovely holiday and spent some quality time together. Love you. See you soon. Bye bye. Oh, I do love your fake mom. It's always good to hear from her. I and I completely support her, you know, with uh, with yeah. striking. And I hope, uh, you know, I hope they do get what they want. Yeah, I mean, right. I hope everyone who's striking gets what they want. But it's the real strikes have pretty much been going on for like nearly a year now. So. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you're, I think that's what the government's trying to do. It's like, let's just hold off. They'll have to come back to work so they can get paid. Well, yeah, but they don't. They don't have to go back to work. Well, how are they going to make money? Yeah, I know. It's shit, isn't it? It's shit for the people who are stuck in yeah, there. Yeah, you're kind of like, stuck. Yeah, you're forced to. So 
I'm just hoping that uh, the government gives them the concessions. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but my hat's off to the uh, the strikers, especially the nurses. Uh, next call we have here is from another type of striker, the Swede. Oh, wow. Hitler music. Good Can't really hear it. Is it like a Swedish? This is the Swede. Another fight story from Sweden for you all. Looks like another fight story from Sweden. You know, I don't know. It sounds like it sounds like the introductory music to one of Hitler's speeches. It probably is. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. But the Swede, I, I love the Swede has been calling and uh, giving us calls for the backlog. But they're all like these fight stories, which leads me to believe either they fight a lot in Sweden or he fights a lot in Sweden. I mean, like, uh, the Swedes are wild cards. I told you that story about my friend Petter. Because when, when the, uh, the art college I used to go to was like kind of a very prestigious art college because there's not many art colleges left in Britain. And it was paired with like a Swedish like art college. So they would all come over here. And there was this one house on Rape Alley, which we called the Swedish house because it's where all the Swedes lived. And you would just get to know them. But Petter was I just love, a fucking wild card. I he love how the Swedes like, live on Rape Alley. Rape Alley. Yeah, it was yeah, just down weird. from two nightclubs and the Swedes all lived in this big house. But Petter would just like be, you'd be stood in the pub of him all like having a quiet drink. And then he would just smash a glass on the floor and just be like, look at them all run. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> God, yes, we have something to prove. Me and my friend were walking home from the club downtown in the freezing cold. Let's say it was at least 15 minus degrees Celsius or 5 degrees Fahrenheit. Ooh, we that. walked past a gang of punks and thought nothing of it. Just kept walking and talking shit to ourselves. But then they had to open their goddamn mouths, probably they in did. a vain attempt to look tough in front of their friends. And uh, that shit will get you dug real fast, I've learned. So apparently never talk shit to a Swede. Yeah, especially if you're a Swedish punk. <laughs> it's just like he, he walks by a gang of punks. Just yeah, up to no good. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, I remember I used to go down to London when I was like 16, 17, just to hang out at Camden. So before Camden Lock burnt down and they rebuilt it and now it's kind of half posh nearly, I would say. It was fucking rough, Camden Lock. Like, and there'd be all the, like, just the, like, the West Africans. As soon as you got off the tube, they'd be like, drugs, drugs coming at you. And the, it would just be all the, I never see punks in Camden anymore. It kind of makes me feel a bit sad. And it makes me think that they're all dead from heroin. Was this in like the mid 90s or late 90s, probably? It always was. Like, Camden was rough and it's where the punks hung out. And like, I went, I would go down there to buy. Like, I got my first pair of New Rocks in Camden. I got my first pair of Doc Martens. I used to go down there and get band t shirts. And like, the punks would just be hanging out on the bridge, no matter what the weather, drinking fucking Bookfast. Yeah. Those days are gone now, man. The first time I went to Camden, it was definitely a bit dodgy. No, not so much. Yeah, and it's not dodgy at all now. Neither Soho. Yeah. No, Soho, isn't that like uh, like kind of the gay area of London? That was the gay area, but that used to be really dodgy and you used to have to watch yourself. But now Soho is like where all the tourists go. Yeah, it's expensive. One of the loudmouths said, Say something, as we walked by. 
and we didn't say shit. After a few paces, the same loudmouth said, Well, yeah, that's what I thought. Your mother didn't say anything either last night. Ooh. Me and Nils turned fucking... A yo mama joke to a Swede. <laughs> that's not going to end well. You should have called her a One... fitta. 180 degrees right there and then and walked up to these youngins. I knew that this guy had crossed the line beyond crossing for Nils and all of my hairs on my body were standing on end. Either these guys hit the dirt or there would be a court hearing in the next week. Nils grabbed the loud mouth and I gave his smiling but incredulous face a swift boot full of leather from the hip. Ooh. Uh, breaking a jaw makes it's like Van Damme in a fight. In the Swedish up and just kicked him. Yeah. Quite the sound in the still cold of Sweden, I can tell you. His friends went loose-jawed and wide-eyed at this point, to which we just smiled wide. The rest of them went down accordingly, with one of the cowards just running off, leaving his friends bleeding in the snow. Me. We made sure they were all breathing, and then we just fucking turned our backs and walked home. I'm sure this song just started playing out of nowhere. <laughs> Regards, the Swede. It's a good call. The Swede. He like he gets into a lot he of fights, them. but he ends them quickly, and then walks off smoking do. a cigarette yeah. into the moonlight. Just this is always snow. the thing. You know, remember when you were like a, a loudmouth teen when you were a kid? You would just oh, like yeah. shout shit at random people. Like, yeah. You do have to think about who you shout at. You know, in a, I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast before, but on Hate Street, when you go up there, there's a lot of these gutter punks who are just Oh, yeah, assholes. they said something to us. They're assholes. They're just kind of these like, most for the most part, they're all, you know, rich kids from Marin who ran yeah, away from home place. and they just live on the streets in San Francisco doing Oxycontin or fentanyl or whatever and just being assholes. And they have dogs usually and they, they hang in like, you know, packs. But anyway, you know, it's best to ignore them. Like, and I usually do. Plus, if you do something, you're not going to fight one. You're going to fight like 10. They're like carnies. And they're all yeah. minging as well. Oh, it's not like you want to be touching them or have them near you. No, they're all I, like me, you, riddled with lice. It was obviously the first time I'd been down Hate Street, but it was me, you, and Stephanie, and we were going vintage shopping. And it, they, he said something about like, can they invent a different color other than black? <laughs> and yeah. none of us said anything, because like, what the fuck are you going to say to us? We all wear black. Well done. But it was a couple of places later, and then the guy said something about you. He was like, that's how you protect your women, huh? It's just like, Something oh, like fuck that. off. They're just, they're assholes. Just ignore yeah. them. They're, har they're harmless for the most part. I mean, usually they ask for change or whatever. But anyway, Big Jeff, who um, has been on the show before. Big Jeff's like a good friend of mine, lives in Michigan now, and he's got a couple kids. But Big Jeff is a huge guy. I mean, he's like six foot six, six seven. He's like as tall as P-Town, but huge. Like Jeff probably weighs at least 350. And he's just a big Oh my big God, so dude. that's like John Candy. That's probably like 25 Yeah, but he's not fat. Jeff's like... No, he's just huge. Muscular and just huge. I mean, I guess he's kind of... He's probably got a gut, but I mean, he's like built. But he's like, like he's Andre the guy. Giant. Yeah, he's like... He's yeah. stocky and just a huge guy. But anyway, Big Jeff was in uh, on Telegraph in Berkeley. There's tons of gutter punks there too. And uh, there was like a group of them that were sitting around. And I guess like he was with his wife who was pregnant. His wife's 
a big girl too, but she was pregnant, so she's even bigger. And they're going to Denny's or some diner. And as they're walking by, one of them made this remark like, "Oh wow, I bet you she's gonna, you know, she's gonna eat, you know, she's gonna come out bigger than a whale after she eats in there or something like that." Some stupid remark about her size. And Jeff just kind of stopped, and she was like, "Just ignore him," because Jeff has a temper. And she's like, "Just ignore him." And so they go in, they eat. And uh, as they're coming out, the same gutter punks are still there because they do nothing. They sit at the side, you know, on the yeah. on the corner just begging. And when they came out, um, the one guy's like, whoa, I guess she's still fat as fuck. <laughs> Something like that. And Jeff was just like, Jeff stopped and she goes, and she looks at him and she's like, I don't care. And he just like walks over. And Jeff could move pretty fast. I mean, he's a football player too um, in high school. But Jeff moved really fast and just grabbed this one kid. And uh, his friend's just like, scattered Bold and he just grabbed age, yeah, his kid and he say. shoved him up against the wall and he's like what the fuck did you say he picked him up off the ground and the dude was just like i don't say anything he's like apologize say you're fucking sorry and the kid started crying and jeff just <laughs> held him and he said he was sorry to his wife and then jeff just kind of threw him on the ground picked up his skateboard and smacked and broke it over his knee and just threw oh, it on him and they walked away and i was just like man if i could just like you know, some form transform into Jeff's body for like a day. <laughs> it would be amazing. <laughs> would you go like, it's like nearly like having a Hulk superpower that you could just rage out. <laughs> yeah. Like Hulk use. smash these gutter punks. Yeah. It'd be great. Um, I know it was funny because normally you just, you never engage. You don't really care, but yeah, it just shows you who these people are. They're all cowards. You know, they're going to run. It's like in the Simpsons where Nelson and makes fun of the big tall guy in the tiny car and he's like ha ha and then he gets out and goes this is the only motor vehicle that i can afford in my salary and he gives him what for and then makes him march around with his uh, pants around his ankles yeah i just think it's funny how jeff's like made like grabbed him and walked him over there and made him apologize to his wife (laughs) broke his skateboard hilarious well, sweet. Uh, I know you've called in a couple more fight stories. I'm going to try to spread them out over the next few weeks. But I do enjoy hearing the tales, hear, the, the tales of bravery. I want to hear other fight stories from other people. Like I know Siege had an amazing fight story, but recently, like, remember he rang it in a little while ago. It's a fight story. I remember. Is that when he fought the homeless guy? No, that was at his old work but he had like he had a big fight when he was like 17 18 in the house oh house that was a great story yeah and he broke yeah. a chair over someone's back i think or somebody broke a chair over with his, his stepdad too right someone if i recall correctly i don't know it gets something easy, but anyway. when you fight stories everyone we do enjoy your phone calls three two three five two two four zero three two once again thank you to all the the listeners who support us on patreon we do appreciate you helping it helping us keep it sick and wrong every week yes, it does we keep do. the show going patreon.com slash sick and wrong also if you want to buy a uh, some merch uh, a sick and wrong tea just go to uh, sick and slash shop click on the picture of the Pope and get yourself a uh, some some sick and wrong swag uh, I am working on a pervert shirt, which is a request by Kate Rambo. So that's going to yes. be on the, uh, the Sick Wrong Claudia. Store. Yeah, Sick Wrong Store very soon. We'll be able to get a pervert shirt. Uh, finally, here's Sick Wrong Song of the Week. You know, I was trying to find something that would be appropriate, something that, you know, maybe Koberger was listening to in his white Hyundai just before stabbing his victims. And this next song, you know, it's a band I actually like a lot. I've never seen live. Came close to seeing them live, but it was like a festival and I didn't want to deal with it. 
Um, but they're one of my favorite bands, just to like put on their album, sit back, smoke a little weed, and just mellow out too, you know? <laughs> just mellow out, chill, yeah, and, this is... and listen to this record. So this we're going like to end the show here <laughs> with a song in my mind that I think Koberger was listening to. Uh, before the murders. Brain Bomb's Slut Master uh, off their album Urge to Kill, which came out in 1999. If you don't know Brain Bombs, you should definitely check them out. Uh, people will be back next week with episode 879. Till then, take it sleazy. <laughs>
To anyone who's planning on committing a crime in the future, you may want to rethink your life. Because what's more important, your life that you're living or prison life? Because prison life, once you get in, you don't check out.